some of those things actually end up being a, as like a status symbols for the affluent, like like starting from a Absolutely. European car to like I guess you found the niche in the in the kitchen. Right. Yeah, you, you know, one of our unofficial slogans is you already have your Mercedes in front of the door. You know, you get now you get your Mercedes into your house. Hi, welcome to episode 14 of the Emerge podcast, where we break down emerging markets and give you actionable insights on how to start and grow your business in them. We have an exciting episode for you today. Not only were we joined by the co-founder and director of Emerab, Laurie, but we also have Nicholas, who is the founder of German kitchen design company in Thailand. Now, Nicholas has been in the hospitality industry for over 15 years, and he has a great deal of experience in Thailand which we dove into during the podcast. Uh, there were definitely some very interesting topics that were surprising to us about how a successful company is actually built in Thailand, what the market dynamics are, what the legal requirements are, etc. So check it out. So perhaps we can uh, you know, start off with uh, an introduction, of course, of uh, Nicholas, because he's, the, he's one of our guests who actually lives and works in Thailand. And we'd love to hear more about the business that Nicholas does in Thailand and what, how it actually started and what his journey was. So Nicholas, a quick introduction, if you will. All right. Well, then good morning, everybody. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Nico, and I've been now since 2015, actually, in, in Thailand. This is my second time. And I have found a German kitchen design in June 2021 alongside with my business partner, Lutz Müller, and two other shareholders. The company is a boutique kitchen design studio. Um, we design kitchens for your private household, your villa, your condo. Um, we manufacture the kitchens in Germany. So all of our kitchens are made 100% in Germany. We import the kitchens, we install the kitchens here in Thailand, and we do the after sales. So that is in a nutshell what we're doing. And um, the business has been picking up. Uh, unlike in Europe, for example, where having a proper kitchen is common, common knowledge, common good. It's a trend that has started here a while ago. Technically or traditionally, kitchens in Thailand were not really heart of the home. They were banned outside. The maid was cooking there using steel and woks and gas, and smells and all of that. And now the kitchen comes into the home of the homeowner and becomes a place, um, becomes a, a hub. And we try to basically bring people together in their own home. We, our, one of our slogans is, let us make your house a home. And as we know, the best parties end up in the kitchen. So it's a magic place. And um, that's what we try to do and bring to the people here in Thailand. So, so actually, uh, when I first moved to Asia, the first country I lived in was Cambodia, and uh, I lived in Phnom Penh, and uh, Phnom Penh at the time was quite different from what it is now, so it didn't even even have a cinema. So Bangkok used to be my go-to place for the weekends when I wanted to like experience some like modern uh, city, and one thing I really enjoyed back then was the street food. Like it seemed like wherever you go in, in Bangkok, at least in the center, like there would be always some like amazing street food. So 
I, I never like connected in my head like uh, Bangkok and cooking <laughs> at home because it seemed like the food was everywhere. So how how is it right now? Like are are people cooking more at home or or is it still like most people eat outside? <clears throat> yeah, there, there's a trend. There's a growing trend of people that um, start to cook. There are certain aspects to it. For example, sustainability, knowing where you're produce is coming from and and basically cook a meal out of it um, and there is a trend that people just generally like to start to cook and entertain guests but i have to say there is a fair fair uh, component of our clients that are quite open and they say you know uh, i would never cook in this kitchen uh, i would maybe open a bottle of red wine that's about it uh, it's 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 for show so it completes the design of the house. It completes the design of the of their condo. Um, so it's it's a mixed bag, I'd say. However, um, there is a growing trend of people that actually like to go hands on and, and cook themselves. Yeah. Well, I guess the biggest difference there would be, uh, you know, the behavior of the the locals versus the foreigners. So, do you see a difference in how uh, you know the foreigners behave or the foreigners live when they're actually in Thailand? Yeah, so for foreigners, it's a clear-cut case. They they do cook, uh, not every day, because as you mentioned before, the the options on the streets are massive and great, uh, no doubt about that. But the foreigners, they do cook. For the Thais, it's again, it's a, it's a growing trend. And um, when I look at the proportion of or the nationality mix of our clients, um, over half of it is Thai. So, and then you have this. Uh, foreigner married to Thai uh, setup, and at least one of them likes to cook. So uh, it's it's very mixed, and then when it comes to the Thai component, it's growing. Yeah, I think you said something interesting before that, like for many people, having like a very nicely designed kitchen is not uh, about cooking, but it's, it's for for many affluent. Uh, I think we can generalize it actually to entire Southeast Asia. Like it's like there are a lot of this like so-called status symbols that perhaps like that because they travel a lot they go to like paris they go to united states they they, they see all these like uh uh western things in the movies and 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 like for, for some of those things actually end up being a, as like a status symbols for the affluent like like starting from a Absolutely. european car to like i guess you found the niche in the in the kitchen yeah, you, you know, one of our unofficial slogans is you already have your Mercedes in front of the door. You know, you get now you get your Mercedes into your so house. So when, when you do your uh, like uh, sales, I, I'm sure it's a lot of like word of mouth, but like how, how heavily do you like push on the German angle? Because I think like everybody knows like Germany is like it's like reliable, things work. Like the, the, how, how, how hard do you play this card? It's a key selling point for us. I mean, both of the, the key players in the company, which is my co-founder Lutz Müller and myself are German. Uh, our product is made in Germany. The company is, is German that uh, produces the kitchens for the longest time. And so it plays a big role. It plays a big role um, to be able to say made in Germany, unlike other players in the market that have a mix or produce in China, we really try to uh, hit that angle hard, and uh, it seems to be well appreciated. Okay, so I, I'm sure uh, you didn't just like 
come to Thailand, go to the beach, and then <laughs> figure out that like, oh, why don't I start uh, like a kitchen kitchen design company? So like, maybe give us like a bit of the backstory. Yeah. How how did you end up doing that? Yeah, yeah. So I've been in actually my background is hospitality. I've been in sales and marketing and distribution for international hotel groups like Marriott for over 22 years. And, and I started off in Thailand in 2008. I was then living in Indonesia, in Bali. That's why I know Jakarta as well. Then we went to, to Malaysia, uh, to Eastern Malaysia, the Borneo part of Malaysia. And then came back to Thailand in 2015. And everything was great, but uh, I always had the feeling that I, I wanted more. I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to, maybe there was an entrepreneurial gene sleeping somewhere in my body that wanted to get out. I don't know. And uh, then COVID came. And uh, I guess, like for me, for many other people in this world, COVID became some sort of a catalyst. And I was thinking of um, doing something else. And the idea kitchen came up. And... People ask me, so why kitchen? I think when you look at the core hospitality um, aspect of things and giving people a great time, making sure they have a great meal at your hotel, having a nice drink, coming together, socialize. This is actually what happens in a kitchen at your home. So this is where I draw the, the dots and, and connect the two businesses, obviously. My experience in, in the service hospitality industry, uh, I try to take over to our business and we try to shine with excellent service, response times and a 100% happy customer policy. So these are all things that we, we, we learned back in the hospitality industry and we now try to basically implement in, in this new business. And so after finding some great partners and shareholders to realize this idea, um, we started then German Kitchen Design in June 2021. Okay, so how, how did you sell your first kitchen? Like, how, how did you get your first customer? It was actually <laughs> the first client I had was my own landlord because we had a water leakage in our kitchen and the entire kitchen that was already there was a mess. So that was my first client. So, so you, so you redesigned your own kitchen basically and, and the landlord liked it. That's right. Well, whatever works, right. Got the business off the ground. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, uh, that was the first one. And then it started off basically through networking. It started off through mouth to mouth. It started off via social media quite active in social media and uh, all of these factors came together so um it's it has been a a solid ramp up phase i would say so far. did you also like include any local partners because i, I would imagine like somebody who is like well connected in the among yeah. like the affluent thai could be very helpful for this kind of business right yeah yeah. I mean, um, at the beginning, you have the, the choice of founding a international or foreign company in Thailand, or you do a Thai company in Thailand. We opted for a Thai company. And that means, um, and be, be, we opted for a Thai company because it is easier and also easier on your capital 
because if you do a foreign company, there are much more requirements. You have to in, uh, invest more capital to begin with. So we opted for a Thai company model structure. And um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I found some great shareholders um, that actually help us, you know, with their name um, and also in spreading the news in their network. So uh, that helps a lot and it is very important. So one of the key advice I would give is if you go for a Thai structure company, you need to make sure that you have great yeah, shareholders. And, uh... Like lots of our listeners are pretty new to Thailand. So if, when you say Thai company, it means like Thai majority, right? Like you, you can still own. That's yeah. right. 51%, 51% must be in Thai hands versus the foreign model. 100% can be foreign owned. And um, the second, you know, advice in this regards would be when you say uh, great shareholders, you need to have a solid shareholder agreement. And this is where um, a, a good advice from a lawyer or a company that helps setting up companies is key. So you have this shareholders agreement properly set up. Everybody agrees. It then goes in a drawer. You may never ever you know, take it out again. However, it's the fundamental of a functioning business, I'd say. So that would be second, very, very key, important part. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I still want to go back to the part of like you designing your own kitchen and it becoming like <laughs> a business. So you are not a designer or like a, you don't have background in manufacturing, if I understand correctly. So, so how, how, like, is That's it right. like a hobby or you, you had a friend who was designing or like because if if I started to remodel my own kitchen, my wife would kill me. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, um, I mean, um, what what we did, we had a um, an associate um, who is my brother, uh, working uh, still working at the company that produces our kitchen. So that was the initial uh, connection, but. Um, all of us working in the company had to undergo a training that basically teaches um, how to design kitchens, what is important to look out for. There are uh, basic courses about electricity, basic courses about light, um, you know, uh, structural uh, setup of kitchens. So all that had to be done before we even started the company. However, uh, we took the advice of one of my former mentors in, uh, 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 on board, which is always hire people that are smarter than you. So we hired actually people that are working in sales and design who have been in the industry for a long time. So we basically bought that intelligence into our company and um, implemented that knowledge into German kitchen. And those design. were like Germans living in Bangkok or locals? No, it's completely Thai. It's complete Thai talent. So it's interesting to know that, you know, you have that kind of talent in Thailand then. Correct. There is. And uh, I think uh, Thai, Thai labor, one of the key qualities they have is creativity. I think Thais are very creative and you see that in, in various aspects. You see it in small coffee shops. You see that in design firms. They're very creative. And that helps us a lot. 
Um, obviously, you need people that can execute these ideas. And that was one of our key concerns to find the right people that can uh, install kitchens, especially at that price point, to uh, VIP clients. And we found teams that can do that, uh, luckily, and um, so far had no issues really in the installation and completion of our project. Well, Laurie, you've been obviously. Yeah. Yeah, Laurie, you've been uh, you know involved in some kind of you know construction and renovation projects in Indonesia yourself. So, have you had challenges of finding the right people here to do this, or do you think that Thailand, now that Nicholas is telling us about it, Thailand might have better resources in this domain as compared to Indonesia? Yeah, well, I recently was building a villa in in Bali. Like, I think like almost everybody now is doing this. So, like, yeah. I, actually, one of the annoying things for me was like. Uh, a lot of the companies in Bali are like uh, the the first person you speak to is a foreigner, like the agencies. And then when the actual work starts, like then suddenly that foreigner disappears and then you're like left in the hands of locals, which I'm not saying like locals cannot do the job. But like uh, if I hire a foreign firm, then I kind of like expect like they know what I like and like we come from a similar background and so on. But like like it's it's pretty annoying when like the agencies are built like that the salesperson is a foreigner and then like everybody else is like actual work is done by by lo like local standards so like uh, it, this this happened to us a few times like we hire an architect ar architectural firm and then like like it's inspiring everything seems like oh it's going to be a great house and then and then suddenly we see like uh, you know like this like javanese style very local style house which I, I personally like that's that's not what I was paying for, right? So, so yeah, I, I I'm curious how how do you solve that issue of like uh, how how do you keep the international standards when 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 doing it like international business? Yeah, so I mean, um, the first to address the first point, I I fully agree with you. I find that equally frustrating. Um, and, and we kind of manage this. Um, if if the client is Thai, then from our experience, they prefer to talk to a Thai counterpart. So we have Thai sales staff, we have Thai designers, so they would look after the Thai person. In some cases, they don't even want to see the foreign face, and that's fine. If, when it comes to foreigners or mixed couples, usually one of us is um, involved and from the beginning to the end, when it comes to the installation, uh, when it comes to the handover of the kitchen. So um, what, you, what you shared earlier, exactly that is what we try to avoid. So we are basically there all the way through. Yeah. One challenge we have with, with Emerhub is like hiring salespeople is actually pretty challenging, especially like when you hire like younger people, for, like local people, like they they often feel like the fear like of like when they talk to like a foreign client and almost all of our clients are foreigners. So like, do you do you face sim something similar with your business that like when you hire salespeople, like they, they are afraid it's, to talk to the clients? It's not easy. Uh, to be honest, it's it's actually easier to hire designers than it is uh, salespeople, from our experience. And I, to be honest, I have no idea why that is. Um, 
we we pay decent salaries we offer commission-based incentives which are above industry standard and still uh, it's not easy to find talent um, i have no answer to that question on, on why that is as a matter of fact it was also not it, it's i'm still talking to my friends in the hospitality industry they face exactly the same challenge people just don't want to work uh, on a fixed schedule. Maybe uh, they want to have more liberty. I don't know, but it is uh, it is not easy. So the company is pretty young still. So so probably you haven't had like a lot of problems yet. But uh, with the staff, but like uh, how is it generally in Thailand? Like how uh, also in your previous jobs? Like how 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 quickly people change jobs? Like can you like how how do you keep people working for you longer? Like what's the turnover like? Actually, we have been so far quite quite blessed in that regards, meaning we had only one staff leaving us for a, a better job opportunity that we were able to provide. But she was actually the first one that started with us. So um, you have to imagine there are two German guys starting up a company and you should work for them, not even having your own office yet, your own showroom yet. So that, that t that's a bold step. And uh, we really appreciate it her, you know, joining us. And uh, she left us after, I think, one and a half years, because she found a better job. And, and that was great. And we were wishing her best of luck. But all the others, they stayed from from the beginning on onwards. So there is very little turnover for us at that stage. Okay. If you hadn't, uh, yeah, but again, we also sorry, we also try to make sure they get paid well. I, I think that's that's key nowadays. Well, I yeah. think there's a try yeah, to sorry. go ahead. Yeah, if you try to run your business on a small uh, dollar salary, it's not sustainable. So I think what uh, Laurie was probably wondering as well is that you know generally there are similarities between you know what the people, the workers especially, you know they look for in a good job, and you know they have their own, uh, you know motivations. Uh, you know there might be many similarities. But, uh, you know, for a foreigner coming to, uh, to, to Southeast Asia, there might be some surprises when it comes to, you know, these motivations. So was there an instance where, you know, we've had this in Indonesia a couple of times and in the Philippines as well. But uh, have there been instances where you coming from a German background have a very, you know, we work hard and we, you know, deliver that kind of perspective. But has there been a kind of cultural shock in terms of working with people, uh, especially your own team in, in uh, Thailand? Ah, hundred percent. Of course, we're talking about different work attitudes. Um, not saying that in any negative way, but it's just different approaches on on work um, to some extent. However, I think what what helped us was the fact that we have been in Asia for many years already, and we had our experiences in different countries and, and in Thailand as well. So, I think that is. A huge help if you come from let's say germany or any other european or western country and and for the first time come to thailand and you start a business there i think you're in for for some surprises and for some challenges but we had the the luxury on the or the advantage that we already knew the potential pitfalls that could come up and how to deal with them so can, yeah and i think yeah, that would be in comparison like to uh, laurie you know how yeah no, ahead, I, I, I was, I was, I wanted to ask about it earlier as well. That like, 
if you didn't have the, the 22 years of experience before that, like, would you have dared to start this kind of business or the experience you got from the hospitality industry, like gave you the like confidence that, that you actually can pull this off? If I would have not had that experience, I would have thought three times about it. Um, I mean, Thailand is, uh, is a growing market still when you look at the overall environment. So there are still dynamics happening here. I mean, I compare that to Germany, my hometown market is dead. Also here, the competition is uh, much less, though more established. So that's a challenge of its own, but um, there's an opportunity here. If I would have not had that Asian or let's say Thai experience before, it, I think it would have been very different uh, and, and much more difficult in dealing with people. I mean, uh, Germans, I can just say from my own uh, heritage, you know, we're straightforward. We, we, we say what we think and um, we try not to, um, you know, take diversions in reaching uh, the communication goal. In Thailand, it's different. And you need to, to listen to those signals sometimes to really understand what the person is trying to tell you. Uh, this not only uh, is happening with our team, but also with our clients, you know, um, Thai clients, you have a similar challenge. So it is, I think the experience helps. Uh, is it mandatory? Unsure, but it certainly helps. Big yeah, time. or at, at least, uh, I guess, find somebody who has that, maybe not necessarily 22 years of experience, but at least at, le at least a few more years of experience. But, yeah. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. What, what do you think are some of the common pitfalls that the foreign companies face in, in Thailand? Like something that maybe you'd, you have done yeah. or you've seen others doing? Yeah, I think I, I was... So far, and knock on wood, there weren't any major pitfalls that we have experienced. However, I think one of the key reasons why we never came into such a situation is because we took professional advice from the beginning onwards. So there was, um, we, we, we hired a company from the beginning onwards that helped us going through the whole uh, registration of the company, setting up the company, we had two lawyers in the beginning that helped us also with the shareholders agreement um, just to make sure everything is, is right. And I think um, one of the advices is that if you try to, to set up your company by yourself, that is a massive challenge. And if you have no experience in this country, I think uh, you are facing a high chance of failing. So, I think it's very important to have somebody on your side that can help you navigate through the bureaucracy that you're facing in the Thai system. I, I can give you one example. We had, when we started the company, we didn't have a showroom yet. So we had a virtual office um, that you need to have in order to found a company. And when we had the change to our, an address change to our actual showroom, we had to undergo through a process where I ended up signing in blue ink and stamping 320 pages, A4 pages, uh, documents um, to change our address. So that gives you an idea maybe of, of how much is involved in the back end 
of founding a company. And if you try to take this on by yourself, I think you are, you're up for a massive challenge. I would not recommend to do that without any professional guidance. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Obviously, I, I might sound biased considering my background, but, but like, I, I think yeah. the only people who should try to do like all this like paperwork and taxes and all those things on their own are like people who really come in a, like a shoestring budget, like maybe like you are like a fresh graduate with like thousand dollars of savings, then yeah, don't, don't hire anybody. Just try to do it yourself. But like, otherwise you're just wasting time because you, you will make mistakes and most likely those mistakes will cost more than definitely getting things done properly from the beginning. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. At, at, at times, I guess it's not just about the paperwork, right? Because the paperwork might be very straightforward, but then there's a lot of bureaucracy that goes along with it. And that's, again, something that the Asian region kind of shares. So uh, for someone uh, coming from a foreign country out of outside Asia, they're coming in and they, so they're used to a certain type of, you know, mechanism of work when it comes to government departments. But I believe, Laurie, that's something that's very common in Indonesia as well, that there is a level of bureaucracy that goes into any government process. Well, uh, I think any country in the world, like there is always bureaucracy. And like I uh, when I moved back to Europe after 10 years in Indonesia, I was like, I I also opened a company back there and and, like everything is a lot easier like uh, like everything can be done online you can report taxes online everything you can set up company online but like why would i spend as a business owner like three four hours every month figuring out like whether like my my this month's like vat report is correct or not like i i'd rather focus on on like growing the business like not, not having to worry whether those things are taken care of because like there will be somebody who is, is going to do it for you and they, they will do a better job than you at it Absolutely agree. Yeah. And when you look at the services, you know, I mean, um, usually those companies provide accounting, uh, HR advice, um, taxes, visa, all these kind of things. And if you look at the amount of money you pay to them for their services, it's, it's in many cases cheaper than, than hiring one person, um, as a permanent staff. And if you hire that permanent staff, you're also dependent, you know, if they leave, if they're on vacation, then what's happening then. So if you are a company, um, with a, with a low, um, manpower, um, ratio, then I think it definitely makes sense as you grow, you know, you may have your own department for counting your own department for HR and so on. That's, that's different in that case then, but especially in the beginning, there are lots of advantages having professional advice there. So uh, I'll still, you know, take this moment to take a step back because, you know, a lot of our viewers, um, you know, they generally look at Southeast Asia as the next investment opportunities for them. And, uh, you know, your case might be a little unique in that regard because you were already here. But what we've seen, uh, especially in, uh, you know, Indonesia and Bali is that, you know, people just come to the come to the island, they fall in love, uh, you know, with with everything and everything. And, you know, they just, uh, you know, think of starting a business. But. If you were to, you know, take a step back and think, all right, I didn't, it's something similar to Laurie asked, but from a different perspective that, you know, you, what attracts you about Thailand, you know, if, if you didn't have this experience of working in this market for a long time, but what was that trigger? Because I I think, uh, you know, German kitchens are sold worldwide and given the currency difference and, you know, the way how much, you know, people can afford 
in Thailand? Wouldn't it be better to do it in a market that is, you know, that is slightly more stronger? Uh, but so how does Thailand make sense for you? Yeah. So I think Thailand makes sense in a way because, I mean, you have a, a comparable size of population to Germany, uh, around 70 million, if I'm not mistaken. Of course, the buying power, the spending power is way different. And, um, but so there, there is less people that would like to buy kitchens on that price level, but there's also far less competition in the market. So that balances it out again. And, uh, when I compare, and I had the luxury of experiencing various, uh, Asian Southeast Asian countries, I think Thailand ticks off all the, all the points, you know, it's, it's a liberal country. Um, it's has a great value for money for living here. You can live very expensive, but you can also live on a small dollar and still have a decent environment to live in. So I think, um, also unlike other countries, Thailand is still growing. Um, there was a little bit of stagnation recently. Um, maybe it's also political because of the election that took place. But I think for 2024, um, there are some, uh, there's some great opportunity to be had in Thailand. Uh, and I think that of course, other drivers like tourism contribute to the overall growth. But uh, I think Thailand is still a great place to be. Uh, from my personal standpoint. What about like the traditional things that foreigners do in Southeast Asia, like in the hospitality industry, like do you, would you recommend somebody to like uh, get into Airbnb business or start like a guest house? Like is, is there still opportunity for that? I think it's all still about location. If you find the right location, it's worth giving it a try. Uh, the big advantage is that the labor cost is still very low uh, in Thailand and you can, you can work on these numbers well. But uh, I have seen also uh, just around my corner, hostels, Airbnbs that, uh, well, I would say hostels that, that um, were opened up and, and failed after six months because they just didn't, they just didn't work. Maybe it was the location, maybe it was the advertising, it was the awareness, I don't know, but it's... Um, it's uh, tricky. And I think they have, the market also has reached a certain saturation in terms of bets on offer in all kind of different price groups. Um, but, and at the same time, there's still lots of development happening. You know, when you look at Phuket, when you look at Kaolak, Samui, there's still so much new hotels happening, even in Bangkok. I drove by a huge uh, construction area yesterday and I, Oh, this is the third hotel on that on that street, and and not we're not talking small hotels. So, yeah, tricky. I guess still location counts, and if you have a good um, brand proposition, good you're offering good quality for value for money, then it could work. But um, there's, uh, th th I think, it's not a free ticket anymore as it was basically maybe ten years ago maybe even 20 years ago, when you open a hotel, you could be sure it, it would have been successful. These times have changed. Right. Let's, let's say that uh, I have something like $200,000 uh, or euros to 
like start and I, I, I to start a business in Thailand. My idea was like I, I'll buy an apartment and I rent it out. Like where where would you do it and which segment would you target? An apartment like, for your own use like for rent. or for rent? I mean, there are there are various tourist spots in in, in Thailand. Um, people talk about Chiang Mai very often, which is in the north. Then, of course, you have uh, certain areas in Bangkok which are quite interesting. Then you have Hua Hin, which is in the southwest Pattaya in the southeast probably many people have heard that name before um yeah it it, it could work i mean um i i know people friends of mine that bought condos and they're very happy um most of them are using it for shared use meaning they're using it themselves with their families when they are on vacation and the rest of the year they just rent it out uh, let it be an airbnb model could work, you know, again, um, to what I said earlier, it's, it's location. There's heaps of inventory. Uh, I was just in Hua Hin, uh, which is a uh, seaside resort in the Gulf of Thailand, around three hours away from Bangkok, right on the beach. Uh, there's so much inventory right now. It's, 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 it's massive. And I wonder who is, who's going to stay there uh, on all different price groups. You have the high end, you have the mid end, you have the low end. Plus you have lots of villas coming up. If you are moving away from the beach and you're going more into the upcountry side of things, but still easily accessible 20 minutes, you're down in the beach or maybe at the shopping mall growing massively. Um, yeah, I, I'm not so sure if I can give a proper advice on that one, but, um, location I think is, is, is still key to all. Uh, uh, purchase intentions, I think. Yeah, advice I've got a lot is that like, if it's your first uh, villa or apartment, like, don't build it purely for business. Like, make it so that like you would actually want yeah. to live there yourself. So like, even if the business doesn't work out, at yeah. least you have a nice place to stay at. Or yeah, yeah. Correct. correct. And that could be your base. Then moving forward, I agree. Right. What what's uh, the plan for for your business like the the German kitchen design like wh where do you plan to grow in the next few years? So um, 2024, we actually have uh, we're thinking about expansion. Currently, we have 170 square meter right on the river, great location, and uh, we're showcasing six kitchens there. But we have much more actually to show. So we potentially um, move out into showcasing living room furniture produced by the same company as well as bathroom furniture. So we try to become a one-stop shop for various areas of, of needs. So of, because we often experience it when a client comes to us, they renovate their house. So they need a new kitchen. But when we ask, we often find out they not only need a new kitchen, but they also need, for example, living room furniture, dining tables. They need bathrooms to be renovated. So there's a lot of opportunity in the past where that, that we just didn't do because we were focusing on kitchens. So one of the thoughts is to basically expand into these other areas of home furniture. And the second uh, aspect would be to open new showrooms in, in other parts of, of Bangkok. And um, I think 
24 should be a good time after two years stabilizing the business, having a ramp up, having made a good reputation of ourselves to then take the opportunity to bring it to the next step. So yeah, we're actually quite bullish for 2024. Yeah, that's great to hear. Not, not a lot of companies around the world are bullish. So, so it's refreshing to hear that. I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. but I think uh, given the market, given the, the competition, I think we should be uh, on a good way. But is the is the competition really uh, you know from lo from a local level or are more foreign uh, you know kitchen design and house uh, home design companies coming into the foreign. mix? Foreign, right? Yeah, it's mainly foreign, and and you have it's it's actually quite segmented. So you have your your super high end kitchens, um, which we have a few players in the market, and we're talking prices of six eight million Thai baht which translate maybe 200 over 1,000 euros for a kitchen. And then you have uh, the low-end market, pretty much. You have your Ikeas, you have other international or Scandinavian-made furniture players, which are offering uh, decent kitchens at a very low price point. But um, that sweet spot in the middle for those people that actually want to pay a little bit more, would like to have a little bit more, um, or actually much more choice, and at a better quality, that value for money sweet spot is hardly saturated, uh, in Thailand at least. And this is where we come in. This is, I think, that's why our unique selling point is really pushing that German quality made in Germany into, into Thailand. Uh, and then, of course, there are local um, uh, suppliers, but it differs extremely there. Where is the produce coming from? Is it made in China? Is it made in Thailand? Um, you can have all. You can have a good experience, but you can also have. You can also end up in a situation where after three years your kitchen falls apart or starts smelling, you know, um, chemicals used by producing the 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 wooden cabinets sometimes can be quite aggressive, and even harmful to your health. So. That's something always we say, uh, please consider before you buy cheap. Um, there's a reason why sometimes you need to pay a little bit more and it pays off in the end. You know, so uh, you know, I'm thinking that I, I don't really know a lot about this specific domain, but I'm trying to understand how, you know, the how, how do you, how do you guys use technology in the mix? Is there an aspect of technology when it comes to perhaps the architecture and how, you know, yeah. how receptive is the market of certain technologies that you mm -hmm. may think are very common in European countries, but might be slightly different here. Right. So uh, when it comes to the manufacturing process, so we are, we are working with a partner that has a highly automized factory, actually three massive factories in, in Germany. So they produce uh, 3000 over kitchens each day. So you can imagine that this process is highly efficient the margin for error is very low. So that is good for us because when we receive the product after, currently we have a around four month delivery time. So from the moment the client signs the quotation and makes a down payment, we need around four months. So imagine if the product comes here and is faulty or things are missing. If that happens in a, uh, on a larger scale, that could put us in big trouble. So we are relying heavily on a partner that is, is automized and follows all the standards 
ISO standards, TÜV approved. I mean, probably heard about the German TÜV word, which is this authority of making sure things are safe and secure. So that's very important. And we try to bring it into the sales pitch when we talk to the client because ultimately it benefits them. The kitchen that arrives at their home is, is ready and, 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 and flawless and, and safe for them to use. The second aspect is during the design process. We're using a design software from, from Germany. This company actually comes from a gaming background. So they're using, they're heavily on 3D animations and um, they offer us uh, virtual reality presentations. So what we're doing is at some point, we call it a journey of the, of the client where they have to find their, their dream kitchen. And often we start at one point and then we end up at a completely different point because of so many choices, so many aspects to choose from. But at some point we offer the client come into our showroom and we give you a virtual reality goggle and you basically can then discover your kitchen to scale in a animated virtual reality surrounding. You can go through your kitchen, you can see how high is the worktop, other cabinets in the right space, you can open the drawers, you can open the cabinets, so you can basically experience your kitchen um, in a very, very realistic way. And I think that is makes us stand out. There's nobody else using that in Thailand right now. It also helps those people that have a tough time visualizing their kitchens just based upon drawings or maybe uh, 3D renderings. Um, and that is something that uh, helped us a lot in the past to basically close the deal. So yeah, we're, we're trying to incorporate technology wherever we can, I guess. So Heb, you know, you mentioned the technology and how receptive people are. I've actually had the opposite experience. So like we've built uh, our own offices and I've had like a couple of homes in Southeast Asia, like in Vietnam, Philippines as well. And every single time, like the design, phase includes like proper 3d drawings and everything and then when i moved back to estonia then i was so surprised when like suddenly the interior designer came to me with this kind of like black and white like very industrial drawings that were like 2d drawings and i said okay like we want to see how our like apart how our house will look like like where is the 3d drawing and then she she said like oh no no like Nobody does it here because it's too expensive. Like we are a small firm. <laughs> so I, I, and then I was wondering like, why there, there must be some business opportunity there because uh, like, for example, in, in Bali and I'm sure in, in Thailand as well, there are like ton of great designers. Like they could do all these 3D designs for the European companies that cannot afford full-time designers. Like what, do you see any opportunities there? Like to to have this kind of like hybrid business model where your designers are in Southeast Asia Absolutely. and you sell in Europe. Absolutely. And, and for some aspects, we actually use freelance designers for certain areas, so-called M&E drawings that are not part of our team, but um, we give them a job. They finish this for us because it's a bit time consuming and we don't want to stress our permanent team too much. So that's already starting. I think when it comes to 3D renderings, the, the market is big because people really would like to see their future home as detailed as possible. And yeah, that can be done anywhere. You know, 
using the tagline uh, digital nomads. You know, you can be working at a beach in Phuket and draw a kitchen. Uh, that is something I, very interesting, um, I think, for the future. It already started. Um, and in particular, Thailand, having such a strong component of creative talent, I think, to my understanding, um, Thailand is a great place for that. And I guess it's not just, uh, you know, the fact that people are creative. Generally, I believe uh, throughout all of Asia, there's, people are generally more tech savvy as well. And probably, you know, as Laurie, you're mm. saying that, you know, they're more receptive of technology. And so, but, but I was thinking right. that I was thinking on the high end side, like, you know, the virtual reality side. And perhaps if there are any opportunities for foreign companies who work in that kind of high tech environments to actually, you know, have a business opportunity in, in Thailand. I mean, when you when you look at what I just said, you know, um, offering virtual reality goggles um, to experience a kitchen, um, nobody else is doing that. Yeah. So I don't want to advertise it too much, but yeah, you're probably right. There is a, there is a gap. You know, uh, it's not rocket science, and it, it it is, in my opinion, very beneficial to the client and to the process overall. But uh, nobody else is doing it. So maybe I'm hurting myself now by, by <laughs> mentioning that. But about the the manufacturing side of things, right? So you mentioned that your manufacturing happens in primarily in Germany, right? So I wonder, you know, what the manufacturing, yeah. So I wonder how the manufacturing, uh, you know, industry is in Thailand, whether they're, you know, as technologically and, uh, you know, labor-wise advanced as some of the other countries. Or would, would you, you know, in your experience, you know, you're importing your stuff from Germany, but are there opportunities that you know, certain things are being made in Thailand that are kind of better. Is there are there certain opportunities there? Potentially, yes. I, I would say yes. Potentially, yes. Um, um, e even we are thinking of that, um, not for our core product, but maybe for for other ventures in the future, because obviously the the time that we need to bring the product over to, to Thailand. And the importing process, the working with customs and so on, can be cumbersome. So, if you would have the opportunity to produce this in in Thailand, it, it would have several benefits. But we are at a very early stage to really identify if we can deliver that that quality that we would like to sell um, made in Thailand. I'm not so sure yet, but we're looking into that and. If there is an opportunity, I think it would be very, very interesting. You know, looking at taxes and so on. So, um, yeah, that would be very interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, the the virtual reality is a really cool experience, and I, I think the lesson there is more universal. Uh, that actually, like, if you're a foreigner doing business in Southeast Asia, you should still keep your eyes open and like keep looking at what is done being done outside of the Southeast Asia. I, I've seen a lot of foreigners that like lived in, in in Southeast Asia for like ten plus years, and, and to be honest, a lot of them become kind of like complacent or they adapt to the local life uh, too much, and 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 they kind of like do the same thing as as everyone else is doing. So how how do you like stay up to date with all like what's happening in the rest of the world? Because like I, I would imagine you're having a pretty nice life in Thailand, and you could just take it easy and like uh, not not think about like all this 
technological breakthroughs and so on. Mm. Well, I mean, uh, I, I, yes, what you experienced, I have observed as well. Um, but that's mainly for people that are living on a fixed payroll. When you're an entrepreneur and you are basically responsible for feeding yourself and your family, then I think um, the motivation is different. You, you can't afford to become complacent. You need to grow and you need to ensure that there's uh, a healthy paycheck coming your way every, every month. So um, I try to, I mean, first of I, I'm in a lucky situation that I have a business partner and we, we, we basically challenge ourselves. Um, so that's, that's a very healthy relationship there. Uh, we also try to keep in touch with our manufacturer in Germany very frequently. We travel there once a year to see what's happening new in the industry, um, what new developments, technologies, um, trends, design trends are coming up and that we, we bring them then back to Thailand. I guess that's also the expectation level that clients would have towards us being an international or um, German source product. They want to see news. They want to see uh, innovations rather than things they know from the past 10 years. So I think that keeps us on our toes, I'd say, and, and, and avoids or prohibits us from becoming complacent. So, Heb, do you think that uh, this kind of business would work in in Pakistan, for example? Yeah, absolutely. I, Go ahead, Nick. I think there is actually a partner in Pakistan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, so, um, again, for, for, for Pakistan, you know, we, we generally are very, you know, quality focused. And, of course, there, as you mentioned, the the super high elite side of things would would definitely want something foreign made so again it becomes more of a status symbol for for a lot of people i think again that's something where that you know all asian countries share but generally the influence of the west and the influence of europe you know we 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 think that having that is is kind of uh, you know a status symbol so uh, yeah there is definitely room for any foreign organization that's coming to asia or even if it's pakistan but um, but then again, as as Nicholas mentioned earlier, that you know there's there's what's what's the budget size for 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 the general populace. But then again, there's always that upper one percent, five percent who are already you know going outside the country to look for you know uh, foreign manufacturers. So um, so yeah, there's that, that's just the status symbol side of things that you know all Asian countries kind of share. Yeah, and that one percent is actually a lot right. more than many people imagine. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's surprising at times. Yeah. So, Nika, we also want to make this uh, podcast useful for people who are like uh, brainstorming about what to do in Thailand, like that maybe they, they have been to Thailand before and they, they want to live there and do some kind of business. So if you were not doing the kitchen business, what would you be doing or, or like some, some ideas that you can spill? Yeah. I mean, uh, I would potentially be still in the hospitality segment. However, I think one of the growing areas that I think are becoming crucial nowadays is to work in the area of sustainability. And that could be anywhere from, you know, uh, solar, wind, um, energy, um, recycling. Thailand has a massive uh, uh, plastic problem. 
uh, and waste problem in general, um, power generation. Um, so sustainability on, on various aspects of, of life, I think, uh, is, is very interesting. I know there are, um, there's a, an entrepreneur living here. He's uh, French, but he's living here and he's actually um, traveling around the world and, and put f uh, putting up a fund um, together where sustainability companies basically that are stock listed come together. So I think that is very interesting. Um, tourism, of course, is still is still big. Um, and then you have, yeah, I guess you have your your digital nomads as well. Um, that could work quite well, in particular because the cost of living is just not so high. And Thailand is a liberal country, and and traveling is easy. So that would be also an an option. Whether the market has reached its saturation point, I'm not sure. But um, these would be the ideas that would come to my mind. Maybe you can a little bit elaborate. What do you mean by liberal country? I think I, uh, I, I know what you mean by it. But like, like uh, you, you've lived in many yeah. places in South Asia. So like, what? Yeah. I mean, you look at um, you look at uh, uh, Indonesia. You look at Malaysia. You know the the. Uh, the in, I think when I left Malaysia, they were in talks of of uh, banning the Oktoberfest. Um, because it's 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 public drinking, so it's alcohol consumption. Um, so when I mean liberal, I, I think it's just religious beliefs, um, which are in in other countries right now uh, more going towards the conservative side, and, and and politicians are trying to pick up that that angle to feed conservative voters. Uh, that is not something that I experience here in, in Thailand. Um, the same goes for your sexual orientation. You know, uh, everything is very free. Um, doesn't matter whether you're gay or straight. So it's, it's very, uh, you can make a great career either way. Um, and uh, in general, it's, it's, it's welcoming towards foreigners. I'd say. So that would be my three aspects when I say it's a liberal country. But Laurie, how does that compare to Bali? Because you've lived and worked there for a while. I know that Indonesia is primarily a Muslim majority country, but um, and I've seen that, you know, Muslim, um, you know, uh, influence in Jakarta a lot more. But uh, I believe Bali might have that liberal element to it, right? Yeah, well, I, I must say, first of all, like, I have a lot of respect for people and their right to practice their religion in their home country as like the general majority sees but i and uh, as, a, as a foreigner i i have experienced like many interesting things like for example when i was living in Jakarta for a year the the local government banned valentine's day because like and and the all the valentine's day chocolates were removed from the stores <laughs> because like it's it's haram right but but yeah like what i i think yeah the bali bali definitely with the amount of foreigners, just like the sheer amount of foreigners is just so big. It definitely is different from the rest of the country. And, and it, it's it's also a, like a different religion than the rest of the country. But uh, yeah, I, I, I really, every time I go to Bangkok, I'm amazed that like, I'm still in Southeast Asia, like the prices are in like Southeast Asia, like people are as smiley as everywhere else in Southeast Asia, but yeah, somehow 
like you you also get this feeling like people respect each other's way of living more perhaps than in in some of the neighboring countries so i that's something i always have admired about yeah. thailand yeah uh, i fully agree it's also a, a quite forgiving country um so um that that is also very people don't usually hold a grudge for too long uh maybe that's the, the buddhist aspect of things i don't know but um yeah for me it's home so i can't say anything bad about it anyway <laughs> <laughs> so uh before i guess before we move towards a conclusion um let's move a bit into the specifics of you know a journey that um you know a foreign entrepreneur might be taking so um you know could you walk us through what you went through when you were registering the company and you know what were some of the requirements that you know might have been a surprise perhaps or some of the requirements that you had to fulfill or basically on a scale of 1 to 10 how difficult is it to start a company in thailand as a foreigner yeah with the professional help i think it's uh when you say 10 very very difficult and one uh, a breeze i would say between 3 to 4 with the professional help and uh, one of the things that you really have to be careful about is that you are uh, you need to have a certain ratio of thai staff working for you in order for you to obtain a work permit so um, usually that's four thais versus one foreigner so especially in the beginning when there is not much business just yet and there is not enough uh, income to sustain the payroll, that could become an issue. Uh, it could really, really bite back at you because you have to have those people and you can't let them go, even if there's no business. Because if you let them go and you fall under this ratio, then uh, you lose your work permits, uh, work uh, permit, and with that also your your visa. So that can really, really um, get you into trouble. Uh, so you have to plan well. You have to make sure that you have enough funding. Capital is extremely important. I would say it's uh, if you have a one to ten uh, steps that you need to follow is one, two, and three would be have enough capital. Have enough capital. Have enough capital. It's 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 yeah. Otherwise, it becomes very difficult. And when um, you say like have enough capital, like for a service business, let's say, how, how much money minimum somebody should plan to have? I think the you mentioned an amount earlier ago, two hundred thousand uh, euros. I think that's a good starting point. Yeah. The minimum wage salary right now here is around ten thousand baht. So you have to spend forty thousand baht. That's a thousand, thousand two hundred euros, if I'm not mistaken, around that, one thousand three hundred maybe that you have to pay each month um but then again there is registration there is taxes there is um if you have an office location of course there's rent um so there are a few things that you that you have to invest before obviously this whole thing takes off depending on your business model but this uh you know hiring thai people is uh, sounds like a bit of a challenge really right so even if you want to have a one-person organization where you it's just you and your partner okay. and you can't do that, right? And, and and that's in stark comparison to, you know, countries like Dubai, where they do have emiratization, but, 
you know, they require only companies that have like 20 plus or 30 plus employees to have one Emirati employee. So uh, in comparison, that that's kind of unforgiving, isn't it? It is indeed. It's a challenge. And um, uh, there is a way of, uh, there's a second option is if you're married to a Thai, then it's only two that you have. To okay, <laughs> that's easier, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah, but if you're married like me to another German, uh, then uh, you have four. Well, Laurie, I think this is, no, that's, that's... Uh, it, it takes your, uh, you know, phrase of it's easier to find a wife than, than a good resource, literally, right? Because here you will have to find a wife, right? Before you find a resource. Yeah, I hope my wife doesn't make it this far, but... <laughs> uh... <laughs> No, I, I, there are like, uh, I, I think what you mentioned about Dubai, like obviously like the ratio of like foreigner to local, like there are a lot more Thais in Thailand than locals while in Dubai is yeah. the opposite ratio, right? But uh, I, I, I guess you, you, you can make it work. Like there is a lot of talent in the market as well, right? So it, it's not just that you need to find like two locals that don't do anything like it's, it's it's possible to make the business work you just need to have like good good managers and then like you you, ca you can find talents locally as well to, to to fill those jobs right 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 so uh, you just have to be aware of that i guess um and, and and plan accordingly and then the second thing i would recommend uh just would point out is to have if you're going for a thai company structure and the majority of the shares are within Thai hands, you need to ensure that you have a proper shareholder agreement uh, to ensure that uh, although you are uh, a, a minority shareholder, you still have a say in this company. Because many um, stories are floating around in Thailand of people that did not pay attention to this. And then uh, once the business uh, took off, were actually bought out by the Thai shareholders. So not only do you need to ensure to have shareholders that you can trust, you also need to ensure that um, the, the power of voting um, uh, as, a, as a shareholder is within you and, and not with the others. So uh, I guess that's a very important key aspect to consider. And that's where you really need, I think, professional help. This is nothing you can do by yourself. You need lawyers to, to hammer that out for you. And it must be understood then by all yeah, shareholders. That's, that's actually something that is different in, uh, for example, Indonesia or Vietnam. Like in Thailand, you, you do have like this different voting uh, rights for different sh share types. So yeah, yeah definitely that's right. get in touch with that's somebody right. who knows what they're doing. So like you, you can protect your interest this way. Definitely. Correct. Correct. Yeah, but then I can imagine a, a situation where, you know, a foreigner comes into the country, in, into Thailand to do business and they end up going to, you know, uh, you know, an agent or a company that is not as, uh, you know, I would say honest about everything. And they get into this agreement purely to mess up that 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 foreigner and maybe, you know, have them invest the money in and then later down the line, tell them, oh, you did not fulfill this requirement. Now we're going to buy you out. So what again? It's 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 again it's the underbelly of of Asia that there could be a fear of of fraud and uh, from from people. So uh, do do you have that fear perhaps in Thailand that you know there there's always an aspect of fraud and I I guess a lot of our listeners would would worry about you know whether when they're starting a business in in this region whether you know what's the probability of them getting into a fraud type situation. I think you can get fraud everywhere into a fraud situation everywhere in the world. 
And uh, I wouldn't make it only that, that Thailand is, is giving you that, that challenge. I think there is the danger of fraud everywhere. Um, in, in Thailand, I think it becomes unique because it's just such a different culture to the Western cultures that, that, we, that we know of. So if you're not really clear on the um, behavioral structures, then yes, you could fall maybe easier into a fraud-like situation than if you would come up with a company in your own home country. But um, I, I, in, in general, you have to be on your toes and, and use common sense and make, make sure you're not getting tricked in any way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a Thailand-specific thing. Yeah, absolutely. For some reason, many foreigners kind of like lose that sense of like common sense. Uh, like there are so many stories of like people like trusting their taxi driver to do their like documentation because like that guy said he knows the local governor and like he's very well connected. <laughs> like, like no, when at, at home you wouldn't fall into these kind of pitfalls, but somehow when you go to a tropical paradise, you you lose all sense of like what's safe and what's not. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I meant you need to have a little bit maybe the if the, the, a little bit more ex experience it, that helps, but. Because people are smiling, you know, the weather is fine, the beer is cold, you know, you easily can potentially fall into these kind of uh, scams. But um, yeah, use use common sense and 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 just be just be alert. I think is is the key for that. It's um, there are many pluses and advantages as well. I wouldn't um, discourage people doing a business here. Just yeah, so I guess that's where I'd like to take the conversation as well. So based on what we've heard about Thailand and basically or your experience of working in Southeast Asia generally, what again, for, for people who are considering or are on the fence about starting a business in Thailand, why do you think, you know, that it can be a great market for someone to invest? Um when I look at the numbers, I look at inflation, I look at uh, growth, GDP growth, I think there is uh, lots of, of um, factors that are positive, more positive in Thailand than they are in other parts of the world. And, um, you know, even when you look at the global landscape, you know, the situation between the US and China, it seems that... Uh, countries are forced to be taking taking a part of either going with the US or going with China and and you know this whole supply chain issue uh, is, is is tricky and then suddenly you fall into an area that is sanctionized and then you suddenly can't get your goods very tricky Thailand has always been I'd say it's a little bit the Switzerland of Southeast Asia you know they have been very neutral they're playing with with everybody. They're playing with China. They're playing with the states. You know, no problem. And I think that's why um, that that is another aspect on on why I think Thailand is such a, an interesting market because it is not really leaning towards either side. And that could also mean that for other countries, this could be in the future very interesting because of its neutrality. Yeah, that that sounds definitely as a, like a benefit. Yeah, so we don't want to keep it for too long. It's been absolutely eye-opening, and like I personally cannot wait to get to Thailand. And we we just uh, opened our brands there ourselves. So yeah, like really looking forward to 
get, getting uh, more exposure to Thailand. So, my, okay, great. <laughs> Welcome you. to Thailand. <laughs> so, my, my final question, maybe so has something else as well, is like, uh, what's like, do you plan to stay in Thailand for good? Like, do you ever plan to go back to Germany? What, what's what's your like retirement plan? Many many years from now. Thailand is home now. I'm having now um, with the with when you are an expat and you're working in the hospitality industry, you're kind of homeless. Uh, and the ultimate goal potentially is to go back home to Germany. In my case, however, since the funding of the company here and the um, ma making this investment here, this uh, became home. So for us, Thailand is home. I'm um, I'm learning the language. Uh, my son goes to school here. It's it's home. So we're not going back home. So Hib, anything? And I guess that's a high point to end this. Uh, thank you so much, Nicholas. This is this has been uh, you know an absolute pleasure. And like Laurie said, it's been very eye-opening and um, you know for a lot of people who are watching this might be just the push that they need to actually you know start an adventure in thailand so thank you so much for your time we really appreciate it and uh you know laurie always a pleasure thank you so much guys thank you for having me yeah. all the best see you Thanks. soon in thailand see you soon. <laughs>